This morning I'm speaking about the Shekinah. Shekinah, are you familiar with that word, Charlie? It's the name of Charlie is bought. Shekinah. And in a scriptural sense, it's actually, you only find the word Shekinah in the original Hebrew and Greek. It was a word that rabbis, from the, sometimes in the English language we're limited, there's three words for love or four words for love. In the original language, we just use love. But glory, glory can mean gain God glory, but also for the founder, there was a special moment. You see how God is everywhere, omnipresent, He's away at the same time. They was looking for a word to describe when God shows up. You see the temple, when Isaiah seen the glory of the Lord, and the train of his robe for the temple, that was a, that was a Shekinah moment. When Solomon dedicated his wonderful temple full of jewels and rubies and gold and silver, when the glory of God came, and they couldn't minister any longer, and they just for hours and days was before the Lord and the glory fell, Rabbi's Shekinah, that was a Shekinah moment. And the glory of the Lord used to rest upon different places and move with the Israelite community. It was a Shekinah glory. I'm going to park out for a while. This is the last, I think it's the last in the series on Ezra. And I'm not going to go through the hail background for a sake of time, but God has called the exiles back, and they once again are building a temple of the Lord. So the, God has stirred their hearts. It was the first revival. Start putting things in place. And this morning, I was stuck at Ezra chapter 3. I'll read us, and then we'll go for there. Okay? So some people had seen the amazing temple before, and they were coming back to rebuild the temple. This place was to be a place of glory, to be a place of worship, to be a place of sacrifice. Before they came back, it was just a place of ruins. Verse 12, Ezra chapter 3, the weep. But many of the older priests, 70 years they was in captivity. So the older priests, by the time they came back, it's a fair guesstimate that this people might have been about between 80 to 100 years old. Depending on when they left that place to start with, they was 10 year old. I wasn't a genius at maths. When they was 10 year old, as little priests, their dad been for the air in the priestly line, and then 70 years in captivity, by the time they return and get the work started, who all would they have been at least? 80. If there was 20, 90, okay, 100. So these people are now probably Charlie's age, <laughs> at least, right? Many of the older priests, the Levites and other leaders who had seen the first temple, they had seen Solomon's temple and all its majesty and all its glory and all its wonder who had seen the first temple wept aloud when they saw the new temple's foundation. The others, however, so that's the young hipsters, the others, however, that had never seen the old temple, 
the all glory, the all majesty, were shouting for joy. And I was wondering how this week I would weep. How sometimes we carry in our heart just the glory days, isn't it? For your previous generations, and we'll look at the world today. We can spiritualize it in some things of the church today. And I say it's just near the same. I am probably one of the world's worst romantic nostalgics. I think it was better when I was growing up in Scarway Park. And as soon as I say these words to my kids, you see, back in my day, you get the eye roll for the kids and they're like, oh, your glory childhood was so amazing and it was so rubbish and I'm just a disappointment. Because I'll say things like, see, back in my day, during summer, we was always out playing football. My mom would be working and then we'd come in. Come on, 80s kids, fun would you come home? Fun the street lights went on. That was the Batman signal. The lights are on, and if you was near back in your house between five or ten minutes before the lights get on, your mom would simply open up the door and holler. It's time for you to get him. The glory days. It was amazing. Nothing beat your childhood as we remember back to growing up in Scalway Park. It was like a little community. I was loads of kids. Swing park after swing park. I would then walk in distance. Four swing parks. Little pockets, little gangs. We had a rare time. Back in my day. Back in my day. These people were thinking, back in their day, it was so amazing. Life seemed so much simpler, and when winter came in, that was a season that they just took out this thing called consoles, like a Sega and Mega Drives and Master Systems, and that would take up your winter. Carl Knights was playing these things, and you look back, and I went for a trip down memory lane. Not long ago, me and my little dog, Roxy, I was like, come on. Let's go and see Scalway Park, see how it's getting on. Let's remember the old days, Roxy. Let's go for it. Trip down memory lane and see my old house and the, the garage that my mom's boyfriend made. That was the, the roof's now off. <laughs> and a big crack down the middle of stuff. It's happened to the, the garage. New people have moved in, and you look at your window. It used to be your bedroom for you. You used to learn electric guitar and used to listen to all the old music there. And it's all just history. Even the swing parks, which really grieves me, are gone. A place we used to hang out under a, under a chute, get shelter, and it's gone. The council, they didn't even have our money, huh? I even put a few things to give us some enjoyment. It's gone. You're mindful how it used to be in the good old days. And for my mom, I used to hear parties. It was always the 50s and 60s music. And as I stood in Scalway Park, I could almost hear the sounds. If I went to go do memory lane, I would simply self-whisper it because Alexa's actually in there, right? I'll say, Alexa, I'll play 50s music. And you hear the sounds, and it's like, well, I'm back at Scalway Park. My mom got a parcel. Mine hog my nays. 
See the younger cows now, they're all rolling their eyes. Here he goes again. You mind hogman there, Abdi can Abdi within five mile radius, would go to each other's hooth, and it was just Abdi can Abdi, and that is gone. And I could walk through in Scalway Park, and I could tell my kids, they used to buy there, they used to buy there, they used to buy there. I went, oh, I think about them, their kids, their grandkids, and then it would be a time we used to come together. It was amazing, wasn't it? You could stand still in Scalway Park and hear the songs of old, the old temple, the poetic genius of old. There was always a song. I'm like a rubber ball and I'm bouncing back to you. Do, 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 do. Right? Maybe my singing's like, you, you, you get the song, fucking that song? I mean, poetic genius, he's seen himself as just a rubber ball bouncing back to his lover. Did I mark him like they used to? I could go back here. I've got loads of stories, loads of great stories. My, my, my milk job, I'm, I'm telling you, I was the fastest milky in the northeast, according to me. What a hero! I tell your kids, I got up at three o'clock in the morning to start a milk run. And if I wasn't up at three, Bal White for Balgar used to kick my door in to get my start my milk run. And I could take my kids through my milk run, I could still tell them that they used to drink. And you could say, one pint of silver top a day, two and a set a day, two pound eighty a week. And I could still remember going to D collections. And some people were really nice houses and really nice cars. Never used to give me a penny tap. Not one mech. Not one dime. Just give you two pound eight exactly. And you want to say, do you realize I get up at three o'clock in the morning every day, Monday, Saturday? For ten pound I used to get for Corbett. Ten pound a week! To start at three in the morning and finish at half past seven. I've got loads of great stories about being on the map. I'm a champion. I'm a champion. I should take out days back. These kids that can they're living. Three in the morning. I could give you other glory stories. And some, some PR folk that would pay with tokens used to give you a pound or a pound fifty tip. And used to be delighted. Oh, they're bringing value into my life. Because I look back, and you look back with a sense of glory, always. But I want to tell you also, and I'm not here to share my family stories and bear my childhood for the sake of a sermon. Some of that days were tough, tough, tough growing up. You're growing up in society, you're trying to find yourself, you're trying to find your social circle, you get chums as good influences, you get others not so good influences, you're trying to find out for life as a boot, you're listening to crazy music in your real life, you look back as well. I tell you, I grew up in Scarlet Park with glory days, but I would say as well, if I was entirely, completely truthful without bearing my soul and bearing my stories, there was tough times. It wasn't always glorious sunshine and milk and honey. And these people as well, they look back and say it was so much better, better, better back then. But also, that was backslidden Israel they were on about. There was a reason that they were going to go into captivity. And I wonder if just sometimes we'll look back and think, it was so good. Well, I tell you, I'm glad my kids didn't need to get up at three in the morning. Jumping the back of a lorry, 
up the bypass, the danger that I incurred, the sacrifice, my, my grades plummeted. How on earth could a 16-year-old, 15-year-old, 16-year-old, be up at three in the morning, come home at half past seven, and have successful education? And I look back at other milk loons and that, and I think we, we, we just, very few of us really made it, we own thing, because you were knackered. And I would go to sleep after, and I'd tell my mamas, which she probably already cans, she would go to work, I would go to sleep, and I would tour the land, actually at the first break, or at dinner time at school, and had a pile of let slips in my that's isn't the news to you, Granny. This is just staring at my thing. I thought you were good. <laughs> a pile of lead slaps in my top drawer because I was always late at school every day, but isn't much winner. And my grades could have been so much better. I could tell the glorious day, days, but I never want to go back here because that was tough, tough, tough times as well. But these people were weeping our yesteryear and sometimes as well, I can deal in my spiritual life. I can deal in my spiritual life. That if I'm not careful, I can think, wow, I've got 20 years, and some of you have got Lord's Mail, or spiritual stories, or church stories, or things we used to get involved in, and some things started, and some things stopped, and you can look back at people who was here, and some are still here, and some is gone and you can think, you can approach it with a bit of sadness, like what happened. Somebody else do that, look, the glory days of church history. It was better back in in some regards. And I carry my end, even being middle-aged, I carry my end weeping in this regards. And some things, I was what I said, God delivers my face. As soon as I said delivers, People think I was elevated three feet off my bed when my heat's spinning ruined, and that's deliverance. But something God has to heal and cajole you on and say, look, it's time to move on. Some things for me like Scottish youth camps. Have you ever been to a Scottish youth camp? There you, Beth, you're just maybe not there yet. If we're heading again, you'd be there. Years, Scottish youth comes, and we used to take too many buses down to Ochen Foyle. It wasn't organised by us, it was organised for the Scottish region. And then the last person that spoke here was Alec Morgan, you'll be familiar with him. It was great times, and then one, the last time, Tim Alford showed up that's in charge of Limitless Youth for Elam, and he closed it down and says, We're moving. To the middle of Manchester, it's not going to be Charlie's, it's going to be Tint's, and you're thinking, how are we going to get our kids doing to the middle of Manchester and Tint's? And then it stopped, and we've had meetings about it and trying to do stuff, and you weep. Oh, the glory days of youth come. I'm like, all morning people. Oh, the glory days. And I'm on the regional team. And you sit with James Glass, and you sit with Gordon Allen, and these people, there's five of us. And as soon as the youth of Scotland is mentioned, Abdi turns to me like, I've got a bit of him on one. 
<laughs> I think, you're right. You should never have stopped Scottish youth camp. The effect that it's in. Da 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 da. I want to tell you, I beat that drum a lot until God told me, stop. That day, and they say it'll never be started again, but my attitude towards something new was near right. And I look back at Scottish Youth Camp, I could tell you the people, and I've got photos and the experiences. Sometimes things move on and you're trying to recreate something that's gone. Scottish Youth Camp was amazing, but it was also really tiring, okay? I used to get two weeks holidays on this nest of boss. This was my life, me and Isabel, when we first got married, we got two weeks, I was working at Sunday Bray, two weeks holidays in the summer. Uh, one week was doing the Elim conference, the kids' work. Another week was doing the Scottish Youth Camp. Isabel would do that. Beth, the other week, was the kids' camp, the Scottish kids' camp. And a whole day was supposed to be for a break, and I would come back exhausted back to my work. You're speaking about three hours sleep at the mest per night. And God reminded me that it was great it was exhausting. Maybe it simply was not sustainable. And fit would have came if I kept on every summer, nehen a break, nehen a holiday. I'll leave that in God's hands, right? He, he sees the beginning for the end. I'm telling you this to say this, that sometimes we weep. And sometimes the weeping's right. I'm not saying every weeping's wrong. And we weep over things of the past. I was never brought up with hams, but I do enjoy a good ham. Different, my mama. We enjoy the hams. Not every song that's found in Redemption Hamnal. How much songs is there? Two, three hundred. I've seen the books. Not every one of them's anointed. Not every one of them's a strong song and anthem. Sometimes we can look back and I love. Old rugged cross, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, it saved a wretch like me. Sometimes I think if the worship was a, an engine, we'd put our dipstick for our oil, and some of the, the hams, they used to sing their doctrines, right? And it would be so full of oil. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. Look, if our worship set was failing, we would sing that. What Gilbert's more a professional in that area than me. That all people were weeping. So I'm not saying that every, every weeping or every sorrow or something that's went past is wrong. We need to honor the past, but also see what God is doing now. And in my life, I have wept over things that's gone. In mass, what is God doing amongst young people and the nation? Now, we will hear on Friday night about 40 young people. I can weep over the past or ask God, fit are you doing now? Or fit do you want us to do with them now? And maybe are the spiritual eggs, shouldn't it be put in one week a youth camp basket when we 
between us, God's put within us to disciple young people. You with me? But these people were weeping and it was mingling. So here's God's response found in Haggai chapter 2, 1 to 9. What would God say to some people that were weeping over the past? What would God say to me? Haggai chapter 2. Then on October 17th of that same year, the Lord sent another message to the prophet Haggai. Say this to Zerubbabel's son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of God's people there in the land. Does anyone remember this house, this temple in its former splendor? How in comparison does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing at all. But now the Lord says, be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people still left in the land. Now get to work. I am with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Spoke about this the last time. My spirit remains among you just as I promised when you came out of Egypt. Do not be afraid. He sent a people. This is for your sin. You experienced it before, and I get it. It looks nothing like it used to. God is saying, I understand how you feel. Verse 6, for this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. In just a little while, I will again shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans, and the dry land. I will shake all the nations, and the treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple. Keep on going, because I'm about to do something. I'm about to shake the heavens, shake the earth. All the nations will be brought to this place. I will fill this place with my Shekinah. I'll fill this place with my glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. That's some promise, right? I'll shake the heavens, shake the earth in this place for your building towards. Keep on going. Well, once again, be full of my glory. Next verse. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Remember the, the telltale signs of Solomon's temple was the silver and was the gold. It was the amount of uh, wealth that must attain for Solomon's place. And the new temple was nothing like it. The provision was nothing as severe as Solomon's temple. But God is saying this. That silver and gold of Solomon's temple, that doesn't impress me. That's our minds anyway. Next verse. The future glory, the future Shekinah of this temple will be greater than its past glory. Remember the days of old. The minister couldn't move because of the Shekinah glory. Says the Lord of heaven's armies, in this place, I will bring peace. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. Okay. In other versions, it says the latter rain will be greater than the former rain. That's God's promise. It's a good promise. Would you agree? The Shekinah glory before, 
God hit him with fire and the presence coming so strong that people couldn't even move. And people are weeping our that moment because of what happened before. And what a promise for the God that keeps his promises to say, and this temple, this very spot, I will do something with the Shekinah glory that will outstrip everything that ever been done in here before. You we must so far. You go out, God says, I'm going to do something in this temple, this very place. Okay. So on Wednesday, I had a problem when I was preparing this sermon. The problem is that if you study the Word of God, they built the temple, you read in the end of Ezra, read Nehemiah, the building of the temple, the prophets after that. I couldn't find nothing, nothing that God did in His glory that outstripped what happened before with the presence with the Shekinah. That gave me a problem. How do you end that sermon? Because God either did something in that temple that was so amazing, but He chose not to tell us about it, which He could have done, but I kind of preaching for it, and I came for God is done, has never done. Or that is still waiting to be fulfilled in some shape or form. But God's promise is that in that temple there'll be something so amazing. The problem is that temple is now, boom, destroyed. The generation after Jesus died, generation after that, there was a massive insurrection. Or persecution, the Romans came and flattened the temple. Up until that point, there was always a temple. It became a place of religious passion. Herod tried to please the Jewish people, and he added to the temple to keep them on side. And I thought, how am I going to finish that sermon? Because I see something that's not fulfilled. So I thought, I'm just going to have to park this sermon and start a new one. Now, if you are preaching on a Sunday and you have to do that on a Wednesday, that's for you call squeaky bum time. <laughs> you start panicking. How am I supposed to get something in two days to preach and for people to awaken or something with anonymity with Jesus? If you've got an option, you're going to study. I've got next two meetings, two days, all meetings are off. You've got to get in the world. Or you just got to watch a few T.D. Jake sermons and just say, Whatever he said or Steve for it, because he's pretty good, right? But something I've never did so far. So I thought, right, in the archives, an idea for a sermon series. Radical Jesus. Jesus is radical, right? We think about radicalism these days and it's we clubs and really forcing agendas. But Jesus is really radical. He went, what I mean by he went against the grain. How life is all about us. He made it all about God and other people. For we say, me, 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 give me materialism. I want to live my best life now. Jesus lived this amazing life. Oh, look, it's better to give and to receive. Radical teachings to deal with marriage, to deal with generosity. So I thought, okay, I'll park 
Ezra. I'll tell people that that was that finished last week, and I'll start at the birth of Jesus, passages of Scripture that you only read if you go through a Bible plan or at Christmas, because you want to get something of the nativity scene in at Christmas. So you sort of ignore that as a pastor through the year, that if you read it and get something, you think, okay, part in the diary, I'll preach that at Christmas. So I am reading this in Luke chapter 2, thinking, okay, I've now got an answer. How God can say that something amazing will happen in this temple that will outstrip the rest to deal with the Shekinah glory? Luke chapter 2. If you're familiar with this, the birth of Jesus has came through a virgin Mary, through the power of God. I'm going to read from verse 22. This was powerful to me, and that's enough. If it's not powerful to you, I do apologize. I hope you get something fit. So, nothing has happened. You search the Scripture. You can maybe come back to my study of Bible. The time of Ezra, the time of Nehemiah, they had great celebrations during the dedication. But that's not what I was looking for. Because I can hear a great celebration. I was looking for something of the power of the Shekinah, or God, that God said, Nehemiah, he said, the glory will come in this temple at a certain time. It will follow, outstrip, one thing that has ever been seen or done in this place before. Luke chapter 2, we'll read for verse 22. Okay, maybe just 10 minutes left. Then it was time for their purification often. So, Joseph and Mary are taking Jesus for the purification. If you've got a firstborn boy, there had to be an offering by the bar that they offered up, you can't that Joseph and Mary were poor people. Required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child, his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord. If they were rich, it would have been a lamb or a bull, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons, thus saying they were poor. At that time, verse 25, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. For 400 years, the quiet, the quiet years, God hadn't spoken, there was no record of God speaking through a prophet or moving in power or Shekinah glory. But he did hear people that were seeking him. One of them was Simeon. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Verse 27. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, when I read that, to be fair in my spirit, I thought, boom, hold on a minute. I was looking in the Old Testament. What happened? What happened? And suddenly I'm parked up and the world temple is there. So, go on. Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. 
I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and He, and He, and He, and He, and He is the Shekinah, the one you've been waiting for. Glory of your people, Israel. And it was that point I knew that's what God was on about. He said, I will do something in this temple. I'm going to shake the heavens. I'm going to shake the earth. Silver and gold, your wealth, nothing you can get God that he doesn't already own. Nephi is after. And then a guy full of the Holy Spirit and the temple that Ezra and his people erected. Jesus is a baby. And a guy full of the Holy Spirit cuts to me and says this, I can die in peace. I've seen salvation. And he is the glory. Near thing, near it, near floating dune, he is the glory of all of Israel. He's seen something that I wouldn't have. I would have seen a baby. Like, I would have came wrong. Calm down, calm down. That's a baby. It's all the euphoria. I would have seen a baby and wondered what the part of mine was about. But Simeon seen the glory. Simeon seen their salvation as a thing. But he's seen the Savior. And he's seen for God prophesied about he is the latter rain. He is the returning glory. He's better than anything the world has ever seen previously. Even as a baby. If you have Christ, you have the Shekinah. You have the intended glory. If you have Jesus, you have everything that God intended you to hear through grace. Do you believe that? Or is it I have Jesus, but I'm still looking for other things in the spirit realm? And God says, I've given you the latter rain glory. Right. Does that mean that I do not believe God's glory? We can enter in and there can be times that His glory fails. I do believe that happens. And it happens through a people that will appropriate that they have enough in Jesus. Let me explain. I have been a Christian since, oh, I've put myself on the spot here, 2002. 21 years. I've read about the glory books, the glory days of history. I have read books about partaking like Go for the glory, go for the Shekinah. I've been to the conferences, the glory conferences. When we speak about the Shekinah, 
We are speaking about never being able to move under the glory. That can happen. However, in 22 years, how much times I have been to almost every service here, I've hardly missed a prayer meeting, and top of I go to Christian conferences. How much times do you think I have been so undone by the Shekinah in a meeting that I have not been able to stand? Some of you have probably maybe experienced that. How much times do you think I've experienced it as a minister? You need a cup of water. You can get in if you want. <laughs> I can see I'm struggling. Zero. Zero. Does that mark me a failure? I have prayed and pursued and preached and did sermon series and read the books. And they say, after every chapter, you just say this prayer, and you'll enter in the glory. I have it 22 years, and I am an object failure, oh man. Oh, and the Shekinah glory in that sense that I see that Solomon experienced, and many like him in the Old Testament, yet God has said, the new will outstrip the old. I've had 22 years without that. I've had 22 years Oh, and the abiding Shekinah glory within me. And I'm saying that to help you. If it does that matter, sometimes we are searching for something that God has already given us. And if Christians would again realize and appreciate the holiness and the gift through grace that God has given us, we will just rest better. And we'll turn our pleading into praises. This is some amazing promises. I'm going to finish with two scriptures because it's got to be biblical, right? If you've got Jesus in your life, you have enough for the Christian life. It doesn't matter how far you'll go in this world, church will add Strengthen, and it gives you an opportunity to serve other people. But God says, I'm going to give you the Shekinah. It's not going to be a thing. It's going to be a person. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Hopefully, I'm, I'm babbling on too much. Even my computer's gone to sleep. Okay. I need to reboot this thing. Old covenant, physical temple, people went, paid their sacrifices, sometimes the Shekinah, but definitely a holy place that only the priest was allowed to go. God says, I'm going to do something in this temple, there's got to be the Shekinah, there's got to be greater than one thing that's went before. And then he puts a baby, Jesus, the Messiah, Savior, Simeon sees him and says, that is salvation, I can die in peace. I've seen the baby, I don't need to see another miracle, I don't need to see him walking in water, I don't need to see the cross, I don't need to see the tomb. He's the one. Holy Spirit revealed he's the one. He's the Shekinah glory. And then the temple was destroyed. 
1 Corinthians 3.16. We speak about Shekinah, wanting it to happen when you come to church service. If the Shekinah comes, you go, again, how much times I have prayed that prayer for the glory to come? Don't. Don't you realize? Don't you realize? Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple and that the Spirit of God, the Shekinah, the glory, is a being, is a person, lives far and new. There's a new order, there's a new temple, and the Shekinah glory is not to be met in a place, but in a people. Last verse, and he convinces with two verses, didn't I? 2 Corinthians 3, 18. You've been very patient. Okay, can you go to the verse before that? Is that possible? Okay. The verse before that as well. Sorry for mucking you around. You did a great job. Whenever someone turns to the Lord, whenever, you're at a point you turn to the Lord if you have not turned to Him. The veil is taken away. That block is between you and a loving, glorious Father is gone. The Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom to worship Him, freedom to know Him, freedom to go to the holy place. Next. So all of us who have that veil removed can see and reflect for the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed in His glorious image. That's the NLT. In another version it says this, and I'll end with us. It's Nessie. You see the word see, that we see the Lord? It's Nessie. I think that translation is wrong, the NLT. It's us, those who behold, behold the Lord. Those who behold the Lord and His glory will be changed like Him. If we say, see, I immediately think of these eyes that see the Lord, or then I see the Lord as I'm seeing you. But beholding Him is so much more deeper. Beholding the Lord for them that turn to the Lord will become temples of His Shekinah glory. Beholding Him means a real heart response, not with these eyes, but here, recognizing my Savior, beloved, even as a baby, even if you're newly a Christian, that baby Jesus within people, you have the Shekinah glory. And as I behold Him, treasure Him, honor Him, worship Him, love Him, Behold him, Nessian, behold, loved, worthy, holy, treasured, adoration, time in his presence, time in his word in the midst of the messy chaos that we go through. Behold the Lamb that we have to see. Behold. I believe if God's people, us, truly behold him, 
worship him, praise him, love him, honor him. You can't what will happen when we meet. I think revival is this. Near a bunch of dry Christians praying for Shekinah suddenly turning up on a Sunday expecting something to happen and God zapping them and waking them up. I believe it happens through a small company of people beholding the glory, knowing that they've received in the beloved, loving Him in this weary world, being hungry, putting Him first, loving Him even Thabdi thinks you're a fool for doing it. And then when we come together, reflecting His glory, His Shekinah, the veil between heaven and earth starts to go as we start reflecting as beholders a Christ, the Shekinah glory, we are transformed glory unto glory. We are changed. Because I'm beholding them. More than my finances, more than the things of the world, more than, more than my next conference trip. And when you get out, all weeping goes. I can't grieve our youth camps. I'm grieving our youth camps. The days are old. God will keep you sweet. And the songs are old. I want to be youthful when I'm all out. I'll come in, you can sing how great thou art to the tune of reckless love. It's not about the songs. It's about beholding Jesus, resting in Him, finding that sweet spot. But sometimes Christians nowadays, we get away too easily. We get caught up in the same things of the world and you think, does my life look any different? Well, it will. If you behold Christ, the Shekinah, glory, nays a thing, but as a person, is about a one, the Shekinah. He is. If you've got him, young people, you've got enough. Yet we pray for the glory. I wonder if the worship team would come up. This is what God says. This is not my words. Hey, and Jesus in your life far outstrips anything you can ever see in the old covenant. So if you see Solomon being undone, we are the priests in a temple because of the Shekinah glory. If you see Isaiah and you see the glory of the Lord that filled the temple, God says this, you hand Jesus, even if he's a baby, far outweighs anything of that. You didn't look convinced. God says, You hand Jesus, and him alone, without any other experience, that latter rain far outweighs anything that you see in the former reign. Because you have the abiding presence of Jesus, His manifest presence, that we should care about, that we should delight on, 
that we should feed, that we should rejoice, that we should be calm about, that we should be restful about, that we don't need to worry like the world worries or chase, but the world chases. We are partakers and carriers of God's manifest presence. This community would be turned upside down if Christians believed that we carry the Christ, loved by Him, Him living His life through us, and this world needs a church that will in some way reflect the glory of Christ to the lost, to the broken, to the hurting. We've got to take one minute I'm going to pray. We'll be silent for one minute so that you can meditate on what's being said. And if you're a born-again believer, just to reverently respect that God has placed within you His glory, His chosen one, His Savior, and then external presence but somehow God would choose you as a temple through the miracle of grace and come and live His life in you and through you. And if you want at this moment turn to Jesus and believe, it's really easy. You just say, Jesus, I believe in you. And it says at that moment, the veil, the barrier is gone and you've turned to Jesus. Why we just got to take a minute just those silence, and if kids are noisy, it's okay. Some truths are so explosive, you might lose it in the noise. And just appreciate if it has been said in truth, and you decide, my role is to give, for I have seen this truth. You digest it through faith. Well, let's have a minute of silence and just appreciate in the God of glory, the Shekinah, the Christ, the power, the anointing lives within you. Jesus, come and reveal your truth. Holy Spirit, you have said that you will lead us and guide us into all truth. I pray for the manifest abiding presence of Jesus to be real in your people's life that you have called us to be that temple. What the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. God, I bind that lies of the enemy that comes to deceive, that comes to steal, and comes to destroy. It tells us we're not good enough. Why could God choose you? You're too messy. You're too old. You're too young. God would come against that with a shield of faith. And say, you are chosen. You are loved. And I pray simply for the revelation that we would see and would feel the glory of Christ in the silence, and in a moment, I was responding to you in quietness. We're going to wait for one minute, and then we're going to praise him. Are you okay with that? Thank you, Jesus.
your weeping be turned to joy. Let your weeping be turned to joy. Let your weeping be turned to joy. These people started with weeping, and God was just something amazing is going to happen. It's going to outstrip everything you've ever seen in the silver and the gold. Let your weeping be turned to joy. Let your regret be turned to praise. For you have the protector of the divine glory. Is that not something to thank Jesus for? Is that not something to thank God for? That we have the promised one, Christ, partakers of the beloved. John the Baptist said, Behold, then I just see, Behold the Lamb of God. Before we go for this place, make a decision to behold this week. Behold, behold. Let's stand in His presence. Let's worship Him. We'll take up our tithes and offerings. You can still respond how you want to respond. You can clap. You can bow. You can come to the front. You can stretch forth your hands. But let's give Him other glory, other honor. This is what the apostle says. There was mysteries laid hidden before the revelation came. And what a wonderful revelation it is. But let's thank Jesus.